the Fogcast, the Bay City Beacons local politics podcast. Hey, yo! Uh, we got um, my other former boss. Special guest. Special house. guest. Hi, everybody. Hey, Sonia. Um, how are you? Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Typically, typically, we don't invite losers on the show, but we oh, made an wow. exception. That's why we did it. That's why we didn't. That's why we did it. <laughs> right. Still no losers. Yeah. Still no losers on this show. Deep cut, dude. Yeah. Oh, wow. Standards of quality upheld. What's going on? Yeah, what's going on? Um, well, hey, listen, we're going on into a, a new election cycle. We can um, we can wipe the slate clean. Diego, that election cycle was like so last year. Even Beto's moved on by this point. Even Be- Beto went on a driving journey. He came back. He's a refreshed guy. Soon Sonia will be running for president. Yeah. Like fell up with Carly Fiorina. Just kidding. Edit that out. <laughs> no, we're keeping that in. No. No, we're keeping that in. Um, Lean and fail up, yeah. <laughs> hey, I mean, I think Beto would have been better as a member of the Mars Volta instead of a politician. We'll like, still see. More, There's still time. Yeah, he can. Yeah. Oh, he, people have made intimations that um that like if that if his campaign gets anywhere, like he can reunite the Mars Volta to play like his his campaign events. So I'm excited for that. Wow. Um. I'm not excited. I don't know what that means. I'm just going to go out and say it. I, like, I laughed, but I have no idea what you're talking about. Keep going. Oh, man. You don't know, like, the biggest Beto trivia? That, like, <laughs> no. He used to be in a band with members who went on to start the, like, big prog band that was big in the mid-2000s, Mars Volta. It's because you're uncool. I'm so uncool. Um, anyway, that did not need to happen. <laughs> um, uh, I, what I'm not excited about is uh, this upcoming lawsuit against the proposed uh, navigation center at the Embarcadero, Seawall Lot 330. Yo. Uh, Mayor London Breed has proposed uh, 200 shelter beds with uh, what's, what people call wraparound services, and referrals to medical treatment, um, you know, referrals to hopefully permanent housing that will get built. Um, and the, the neighbors um, have have started a group called quote-unquote Safe Embarcadero, even though they don't seem to care about the safety of homeless people who are living on the streets right now. Um, and they've, they've threatened to sue under the California Environmental Quality Act, known as CEQA, um, which I think we can delve into later. Um, some important context for this, I think, just this week, um, Alameda defeated a ballot measure in opposition to a... a uh, homeless respite center and permanent supportive housing site. Good news. Crab Cove. Yes, it's good news. So Alameda um, voted for a homeless shelter yes. near the waterfront. Yes, they defeated. We are fi- San Francisco is fighting a wa- homeless shelter near the waterfront. Yes. Yeah. Um, so it's like a tale of two cities. Yes. The, but the the one thing that um, these things have in common, um, the the Crab Cove site is still undergoing a CEQA lawsuit, um, which. Um, Based on what what experts have told me is is going to be thrown out as meritless, but um, you know that's still going to be time and money in, in court fees and uh, waiting. Um, so I mean, part part of the context here I think is the California Environmental Quality Act has this kind of baked in status quo bias where everything, even essential emergency services that people need, is is guilty until proven innocent. Um, uh, especially if you have money for lawyers, and that's that's the context where London Breed's effort to um, shelter the homeless population is falling into. Um, now, Sonia, you have been at, at some of these uh, town hall community meetings where people um, voice their quote-unquote concerns about this. Can, can you tell us a little bit more about the, the mood 
in the area. The mood immediately in the area, there are at least 40 super loud antagonistic neighbors. At least 40. At least 40. Yeah. Um, Four score. <laughs> no, that would be 80. Oh, shit. Okay, all right. <laughs> I gotta rethink that entire, like, speech. Never mind. <laughs> really? You're doing the math all wrong. I'm the math Abraham all wrong. Lincoln, better at math than Jay. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, so there was actually, so the first meeting was totally brutal. It was terrible. The HSH, the Department of Hom- um, Homelessness and Supportive Housing, they had this format where they had public comment, so they let people go up and talk for like two or three minutes at a time. People were facing the audience. So it was just, you a know, rally? soapbox. Yeah, it was not, like crazy people like getting other aggressive, crazy people like riled up. Mm-hmm. Um, you. Did you guys already talk on here about somebody threatened my brother? No. Tried to hit no, him? No, no but oh, start with that, yeah. It was epic. So my, so Milo, uh, there's there's this line that's like, think of the children. You know, I have children. Sure. You can't put a homeless shelter yeah. here. There's going to be drug addicts. Drug addicts can't be near my children. So my brother and I, we grew up across the street from a drug rehab. Okay. And it was fine. Yeah. Like, we knew those guys. It was called Teen Challenge. And so Milo's comment basically was about that. He was like, I grew up across the street from a drug rehab. I turned out fine. And if you're worried about your kids not turning out, maybe your expectations are unrealistic. (laughs) And what everybody... So he called them bad parents. That's what everybody Milo heard. Called them bad That's parents. what everybody heard. I yeah. mean, literally, what is that what he, he said? No, I we know what he was trying to say. What he was kind of trying. He was kind of just saying you're bad parents. <laughs> I, it's more. It sounds to me more like it's like they're bad people. That I mean, like, either one of those. What's the difference? What's really? the difference? When you, when you have bad ch- people can be. When you have parents, children, vice versa. When you have children, it's pretty much the same thing. Anyways, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's like. I think the bigger danger, you know, is parents that are segregationists and classist. Yeah. Um, so I think of the children and make sure that they get exposed to a wide range of human experiences. Yes. Anyway, so needless to say, that comment did not go over. The whole room, like, booed, and uh, some guy yelled at him, fuck you. Can you say this? Yeah, yes. you can. Yeah, FCC. We have an, ex- we have an explicit yeah. warning on our iTunes <laughs> app. Like our, our, our podcast, yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'll say it more. Um, and and when Milo came down like away from the mic, one of the parents, a big guy, like came up to him, rushed him to as if to hit him. And uh, Commander Lazar happened to be there, not because they had police at the meeting, but because he was one of the panelists. Mm. And so he intervened and like prevented anything from happening. Mm. Oh my God! Yeah, but it was pretty rough and tumble. Yeah. Mm. So the second more safe, dangerous than safe embarcadero. Than, yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. Safe embarcadero, indeed. <laughs> yeah. This sounds more dangerous than growing up across the street <laughs> from a drug treatment center. Yeah. Certainly, nobody at Teen Challenge like tried to hit any of us or cursed at us. What was that like, though? Tell us more about that. I mean, it was fine. Like, a lot of things, if you ever go to Philadelphia, you go want to go to the 100 block of Schoolhouse, West Schoolhouse Lane, mm-hmm. you'll be like, oh, I see why Sonya turned out this way. Because that block... Oh, yeah, okay, that's really, <laughs> that's really revealing. <laughs> that block has every type of housing. You mm-hmm. know, there's single-family houses. There are single-family houses that were broken up into apartments. There are apartment buildings. There's literal high-rise public housing. Mm-hmm. Um, the Teen Challenge was a large single-family house. House, that's group housing. There's a school. 
Mm-hmm. Um, schools also, a lot of people, if you're at a planning commission and there's a ton of people there, it's either housing, a school, or a cannabis dispensary. Mm-hmm. Like, schools get a lot of opposition also. So all mm-hmm. of these uses that mm-hmm. people oppose, I grew up, you know, they were on that block. Mm-hmm. So a diverse block. I don't know, it was a good yeah. time. I could walk time. everywhere. I walked to school. Mm-hmm. I was a young urbanist. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the point is, the next meeting, HSH uh, learned their lesson. Oh, that's good. Yes. They know they did not allow people. Because the other thing is, normally with public comment, you're facing the commission or the board. Right. And so even though you still have a, you're speechifying, there's a huge difference between speechifying with the crowd behind you yeah. and the crowd in front of you. Like, the psychology yeah. is totally different. Can I just interject for this? I find it really interesting that, like, you know, let's say the Warriors are building a stadium, a huge chase stadium, right? Mm-hmm. Great thing, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, they go out and they hire very experienced PR flax mm-hmm. to execute, you know, front to back, the communication design of this outreach, right? Meanwhile, we <laughs> propose a navigation center on the Embarcadero in a very similar location, right? right. With a very similar impact. I Like... Uh, you know, to these neighbors, a very similar impact than an arena, right? But we just send, like, city bureaucrats to go figure it out, mm-hmm. right? Like, oh, let's just have a panel. Captain mm-hmm. Lazar, go go, go for it, right? Mm-hmm. No no media outreach. We never hired a PR firm to, like, manage it or, like, you know, we don't keep a PR person on, on Slack for it. You know, whatever. It is actually pretty incredible. I know when I was – I'm continually amazed. I learn, I feel like, again, every day that, like, no one is in charge – you can't just because there's a department and it's part of a government and that government has existed for 150 years doesn't mean that there's any institutional knowledge there. Right. And well, for certain things, I mean, obviously for HSH, all the institutional knowledge is about actually providing services. Right. This, there's no institutional knowledge about outreach. I mean, compare it if you've ever been to a, a MTA feedback session. You go in there and you know for sure that nobody cares what your opinion is at all and is not listening to you. And you go out realizing that you should just spend your time doing something else, which is exactly what people should feel when they're giving input on the siting of a homeless shelter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, we do not, you know. They be, should sit there and feel disempowered. They like, should uh, feel like the city doesn't care what they think because what they think is, is irrelevant. Right. Yeah. And that's the message that they should be getting. And that, you know, the next time there's a meeting, they should go to the gym instead or like watch the tick or literally any other thing because no one wants to hear it from them. Watch the tick, like the cartoon. There, yeah. The movie, the There's, superhero. So I'm taking this opportunity in front of millions of um, listeners. Yeah, we have that many. Yeah. yeah. So Amazon Prime had two seasons of a new live action tick, and then ended it inexplicably. <laughs> yeah, that's true. There was an inexplicable reason to end the, the, it's, the, it's, the show. It's the excellent. You liked it. It's excellent. The reason was that Sonia was the only person who liked it. Sonia and the, the 100 block of West Schoolhouse. <laughs> there are thousands of positive reviews on Amazon. Almost as many podcast listeners. Mm-hmm. Anyway, bring back the tick. If this podcast was on Amazon, <laughs> we would get canceled. Yeah. Immediately. We would be canceled, yeah. Uh, anyway, so they did a different format yeah. um, where the people wrote in questions. I, I'm getting to the point of the story. Um, so they wrote in We're questions. Yeah. yeah, the second the second meeting was so much better because this, 
the crowd was still like cheering and jeering, but it was really split. You know, there were a lot of uh, supportive mm. pe- people oh, yeah. there. So if you're listening to this and it's before April 23rd, please go to the Port Commission hearing. Yeah. It's at the Ferry Building. It'll go deep into the night, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about Starts it. Starts at 3 and possibly never. Yeah. Exactly. We're recording on April 11th for listeners um, listening. After that, happy birthday, Mom. Um, this will definitely be out before the 23rd. Okay, yeah. You got to go because it makes a huge difference. Mm-hmm. When the mayor showed up, you know, mm-hmm. and she she made comments, there were people, It was re- I think it was probably important to her to hear that people were cheering for the Navigation Center. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of people cheering for the Navigation Center were people who had criticized her in other ways. So that was, like, mm-hmm. a great part of it, you yeah. know, as a bunch of factions coming together to do support the Navigation Center. Do you think the, the mayor showing up helped or hurt? Or what impact do you think the mayor had showing up? I think it was great. Um, because I mean, it was great. How could it possibly hurt? You I don't know? know. I'm asking. Yeah. I'm asking. Well, it, I, I, I wasn't was, there, so I'm asking. What yeah. I thought was interesting is that the safe Embarcadero NIMBYs had been sort of heckling the mayor online, yes. saying the mayor won't meet with us. And then she came, and they shouted her down. And they shouted her down. I know. I mean, I didn't really want to say this, but... You know, no, say it. <laughs> uh, if, if nothing else, a great thing about her coming there is it kind of showed everybody what assholes the Save Embarcadero folks are because totally. they couldn't keep control of themselves, you know, enough to not heckle her. They were really rude. And it wasn't just, like, one person, one comment. Right. I mean, it was relentless throughout her whole thing. And people were saying to her, go home. Right, mm-hmm. right. And she said, I am home. Right? I am home. Yeah. I heard a guy saying, go back to, and then like getting to the end of the sentence. Yeah. And you know that at the beginning of the sentence, he's like, I'm sure I'll think of something to say by the time <laughs> I get to the end. And then he got to the end and like couldn't think of anything. I mean, why would many, many people, like, what are they thinking? It's yeah. so disrespectful. Mm-hmm. And it's like incredible because this is a group whose whole like mode, their whole reason is that is this like hopped up civility thing, right? Like they don't want homeless people because the homeless people don't know how to act on the street. Right. They don't know how to act in front of their own mayor. Like I have right. way mm-hmm. higher standards for them mm-hmm. for how they should act based on, you know, their objections mm-hmm. than, uh, you know, the general public. Yeah. yeah. It's and, incredible. And the, the not super funny joke that I've, I've been thinking is like, you know. But you're going to say it. I'm going to say <laughs> it's it. It's not super funny, I'm but gonna you're going to say it. Rich people who live in condos, Probably some of them do cocaine. And probably <laughs> what? <laughs> is this the nineties? Is this like I mean, have you have you seen those have you seen those buildings? Yes, it's the freaking nineties. Um like there's there's some Gordon Gecko types. Who, yeah, like, sure, sure. They don't behave so great behind closed doors. Do you think doors. they have prostitutes in there? I don't care. I'm are just... they wearing double breasted suits? I guess they are back. Um, I mean look, I'm just saying like Do they, they commit white collar crimes? Oh yeah, silk absolutely. tie crimes. Absolutely, cravats. I mean, like the cravats. They, yeah. The, the, what I'm saying, what I'm getting is like the double standard between drug use and crime when it's poor people visibly on the street versus when it's rich people invisibly in the comfort of their own luxury homes is is hugely disproportionate. And and I would argue the impact of the latter is probably bigger. I mean, I, so I, I'm going to roll this back for like 10 seconds. No, 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 no. I'm going to roll this back for 10 seconds and just say that, you know, I think this was unintentional. I think this was unintentional because I think that the site, Seawall Lot 330, was chosen for logistical reasons. Oh, yeah. Yes. Right? But the impact of choosing a site on the Embarcadero so close to uh, these apparent coke fiends mm-hmm. um, <laughs> is that 
I, I think it really does show how ugly NIMBYism so is. Ugly. And it's, a, it's a national embarrassment. Sometimes in San Francisco, right, we manage to hide it behind like dozens of other things, like mm-hmm. shadows on parks or whatever, right? But on this particular case, it really just revealed exactly how ugly NIMBYism is. So like from a political strategy move, this is like a wonderful, well played, everybody. Well played, well played right? Yeah. Well played. But I think that was completely unintentional. I think it just has the like the water, right water access. Um, I'm surprised the Safe Embarcadero people haven't hired the talents of, say, Jack Davis or Clint Riley, someone who could really. I don't think. I don't think Jack. Like I don't it. think Jack Davis. I don't think Jack Davis would take this one up. Well, I know, I know of a PR person who was contacted, who was like, "Go to hell, guys!" Like, mm. I'm not, I'm not. Good for them. them. Yeah. Good for them. And yeah. I'd, I'd love to say their name out loud. But yeah. I don't know if that's yeah. perfect. Mm. I mean, uh, let me just say that, like, so I, I am a fan of like the Willie Brown days of like big consultants and big personalities and big eels and like brawling it out on the streets. And I, I do wish we had a Jack Davis involved on the pro-navigation side of this, mm. pro-navigation center side of this, because I think that would be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I'd roll, I'd rumble with that. You think the... That's interesting. That's interesting. Uh, it is, it has been, I don't know if I want to say refreshing, but very different to be dealing with NIMBYs who are, this is their first rodeo. <laughs> you know, like, we're normally dealing with the vanguard, you know, like, the battle-hardened, like, in it for many, many hearings. Yeah. But this is, like, the soft, squishy underside mm-hmm. inside of the donut types who don't mm. know. Like, they have this line where they're like, we're not NIMBYs, we just don't want this near us. Right. <laughs> just, like, their slogan is right idea, wrong place, and they really don't want to think of themselves as NIMBYs. It's bizarre. So, uh, um, shifting gears a little bit to, to, like... Speaking of NIMBYs. Yeah. Well, speaking of NIMBYs, um, I mean, I want to, th- you know, Sonia, you, one of the first things you got dragged in the press for, you know, back in the ancient days of 2015 or so, was um, approvingly citing Machiavelli's The Prince. Oh, yeah. Everyone should read that book. Well, of course. Not read it. What? No, I'm just telling you. It's very short. Is it? I'll read it to you. Oh, that's yeah. nice. <laughs> I'll download the audiobook read by Sonia Truss. Machiavelli is the prince. Um, well, now, now we know we have to fix that. But so, I mean, you know, these NIMBYs are, are not very well versed in NIMBYism, but they still have a lever of power available to them. And, you know, you, you made me think, like, if only there were high-powered consultants advocating for the homeless. Um, but the way that our governance structure is set up and I think you've been coming across this in, in a lot of your work, Sonia, the way the governance structure has been set up is that the people who don't have the housing and need it here do not have access to high-powered consultants, and and the status quo is kind of stacked against them, right? And I go back to, to the um, California Environmental Quality Act and, and some comments that a, a, a listener of this podcast was sending me um, uh, this fellow was saying, um, I'll, I'll keep him anonymous, but he, he's definitely going to listen to this episode, that the CEQA is neoliberal. That was, this was his argument, right? Because um, a, a toxic warehouse or, or an air quality issue does not um, get go into the legal process for uh, remediation until the market decides that the use needs to be changed, right? Um, under the- Are you saying CEQA is neoliberal? Yes. Or that... The people well, as, who push up against sequel are neoliberals. Well, like as opposed to what? For me, to, for me to understand this argument, what's the alternative? 
way of doing what Sequa does. So, okay, good. I mean, yeah, I'm not like, saying I know the answer, right? I'm not a lawyer. But, the, you know, the alternative is, is uh, suppose an environmental law gets passed in 1970 where it's like, okay, the, the, what, what's, the status quo now also needs to pass environmental review, right? Mm. Like, the, like, the way the law gets used, oh. it's only if something changes that the environmental impact needs to be studied. So CEQA is neoliberal because it's only triggered when the market changes. Correct. I mean, I would when, say... When private actors decide to... Change. Yes. Yeah, when the private actors have an incentive. That's an, that's an interesting interpretation of neoliberal. I mean, I'd say it's a stretch, but, like, there's you, it's totally stretched out. So, you know, you can't st- stretch neoliberal anymore. Right, yeah, there's no de- there's no existing definition of it right, anymore. It's, it's just completely meaningless. It's like a cloud it, I, well, of But that, that, that's interesting. That it, that's it interesting. It doesn't necessarily <clears throat> serve the public interest in the way that, that you would expect it does, or that when people talk about environmental review, that it does. Well, that, you know, it's... When SQL was first passed, it was supposed to be a limit just on what the government did. It mm-hmm. was only supposed to apply to, to public decisions, mm-hmm. right? To zoning changes mm-hmm. or to tearing down um, the Bay Bridge, mm-hmm. right? The SQL impact thing for the Bay Bridge, that's why, I don't know if you guys remember, there were nets to keep the fish away. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. did it at a certain time of day. Right. That's yeah. all CEQA stuff. And that's like very heartwarming and fuzzy and right. yeah, World right, Wildlife right. Federation. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the government had already built this massive freeway I, system. I will side with Diego on this, right? Yeah. So, SQL probably was passed at a time when we did not believe... We believed that we just needed to slow down the trend of climate change in order to save ourselves, mm-hmm. right? We now know that, like, we actually need to reverse... Pro- we need to reverse the climate change trend. Mm-hmm. And so, SQL is really pre- pre- meant to prevent things from happening. Mm-hmm. It's not yes. meant to prevent things from... Is not meant to start things. Right. It's not meant to initiate things, which is really what we need to do to save the environment. We need to right. initiate and to things. house the homeless. Right. Like cap and trade or whatever. We need right. to initiate initiate things, right? Stopping things is like completely it's like beyond the question now, right? Right. Uh, I'd like to take this opportunity to drag Sierra Club and particularly, of course, Sierra Club CA. Mm. Um, at Sierra Club CA uh, is the Twitter account that you should mention because they have stood in the way of sequel reform. So when you wake up in the morning, when you go to bed at night, just at Sierra Club CA and say, is CEQA here to prevent people from building navigation centers? Governor Jerry Brown famously said in his last year in office, CEQA reform is the Lord's work, but the Lord's work doesn't always get done. Well, is, he's not in office anymore. Yeah, which is really That's dark. why he said it. Which <laughs> is a really dark thing for a devout Jesuit to say, but... Well, no, I mean, like, aren't you all, like, the ones talking about Machiavelli, the prince, right? Like, isn't Jerry Brown a fantastic example of exactly such thing? He chose the issues that he thought he could win on. And the ones that he thought were important, but he couldn't win on, he just, like, fuck it. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, that's fair. Well, I mean, hope, you know, Gavin Newsom started his term by suing Huntington Beach over housing. Yeah. So, so cool. perhaps there's a sea change here. Um, speaking of sea changes... Um, uh, San Francisco State Senator um, is butting heads with its Board of Supervisors over his proposed um, transit density legislation, Senate Bill 50. Um, the Board of Supervisors passed a resolution um, opposing the bill um, based on, a, frankly, a bunch of untruths written by um, Supervisor Gordon Marr, um, debunked numerous times both by our columnist and by the State Senator himself. We have a piece coming out about this next week as well. Um, 
But let's talk about that, right? So um, their argument essentially boiled down to, we don't want the state telling us to build affordable housing or to, to build more market rate housing. We can do this on our own terms. And then they turned around and, and they're not doing that, right? Sandra Lee Fewer, one of the um, big proponents of this resolution, says she wants 100% affordable housing in the Richmond. She has not rezoned her district to allow it to be built in most of her districts. What's going on here, guys? First of all, let me say that when the SF Chronicle and the Beyond and Beyond Cron, if the Chronicle and Beyond Cron, a website that was created to slam the Chronicle, <laughs> both agree that you are shit, you are truly shit. Yes. I mean, I've never seen both of those people come out with the same editorial the same day, yeah. right? Like, or the same week. It was, it's insane. Like, yeah. you really have to think of like, wow, I'm way off the mark somewhere. If Randy Shaw and John Diaz both think you're assholes, you're probably assholes. you're an asshole. But I, what I want to keep coming back to is the government, the, sorry, the governance structure, right? We have these 11 districts, and it just seems predisposed to elect assholes at the district level. Like, I, you know, when Scott Wiener started to stick his neck up for this stuff, he, they kicked him upstairs, so to speak. Uh, and mm. now the person who replaced him, Raphael Mandelman, is going out saying, oh, well, the central SOMA plant, we're adding more density. They're adding Did more he really space. say that? Yeah. That is in response so to Randy Shaw. Stupid. Yeah, and for context, as we've written, the Central Soma plan is adding That's almost four times yeah. as many jobs as housing. That's generous. And you know, the, so someone today was telling me that San Francisco has uh, has a Janus-faced uh, attitude toward the tech industry and to financial services and to its job base in general. Right? They keep, they couldn't just say two-faced. They, they had, had to, to bring a, like a god into it. I just want to put Can it I out tell there. you the way Malia Cohen described this to me once? How? She's like, well, you know, because I, I was saying it's like they want to live in a small fishing town, mm-hmm. um, but we have this opportunity to be a big city. She's like, well, no, you know, they want some of the parts of being a big city. It's like when you want to be a hoe, but you don't want people to know about it, so you go on vacation. <laughs> Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, that's like, amazing. Yes, yes it's like that. <laughs> yeah, it is literally like that. It was literally like that. So that's what and I think about. It says a lot about the the board of equalization member. The, the personality <laughs> she chooses. I mean, I think it speaks to her grounded personality. <laughs> yeah, I think. That, I mean, I'm if anything, it's a testament to her. I'm I believe. I stand this quote as a testament to I that. Know, there to were a lot of things after that. that campaign had where she was powerlifting. Dude, like, yeah. I First really, of all, that form was excellent. Yeah. She was excellent form. Yeah. I'm glad she's still in politics. I'm sad she's not, you know, still in San Francisco politics. Yeah. So, okay. So, the the Janice face, or the, the hoe on vacation. The hoe on vacation uh, is what we always have to refer to it as now. Right. So, so <laughs> San Francisco blames the tech industry for its inequality, for its high housing costs, for essentially all of its problems. At the same time, it continues to encourage more office space development to encourage all these big employers to come in in order to um fund nonprofit social services fund nonprofit and and uh, <laughs> more importantly their pension obligations yeah and both their growing budget um then they turn around and say oh well um we're strapped for cash big business got to do their part um because they're you know it's either that or parcel taxes is all they can think of um, so I, you know, Supervisor Aaron Peskin, who has, you know, Apple and Amazon stock in his portfolio, uh, reported on his Form 700s 
loves to to be performatively woke against big tech, but you know he voted for the central solar plant, which is bringing more big tech to San Francisco, much more so than the housing that those workers are going to need. So, what the fuck, guys? <laughs> yeah, the thing, the SB fifty thing, like obviously Gordon Marr is against SB fifty. I mean, mm-hmm. like. District 4 built 0% of the city's housing in the last 10 years. I'm just really disappointed that the representatives from 6 and 10, Haney and Walton, went along with it. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I'm not surprised that it passed. Fine, we have a progressive majority. But, like, District 6 and 10 together built 80% of the city's housing. That's right. And we're never going to get... People say equitable development. That's right. We're never going to get equitable development if we let District 4 propose and then pass these resolutions against new mm-hmm. laws that would force equitable development. Mm-hmm. I would also note, um, <clears throat> as I've written many times, you know, Fewer and Mar are both landlords. They own rental property, um, both in San, Francisco, in San Francisco, in Fewer's case, um, Sacramento, I believe, in Mara's case. Um, you know, they profess all this concern for displacement and affordability. Um, There are a lot of um, tenant protection measures and uh, affordable housing funding measures in the state legislature, and I I don't see those resolutions supporting those, right? Yes. Assemblymember Wicks's um, Assembly Bill, yeah, her rent registry report, Assembly Bill 724, got gutted in the committee this week. Um, Now only landlords owning more than 15 units have to register, and that, you know, registering every rental unit on the market could be enormously helpful at implementing all sorts of tenant protection measures, including um, Senate Bill 50's baked-in tenant protection measure of, of banning um, its, uh, its upzoning provisions on, on existing renter-occupied housing. Um, yeah, so, where's the resolution in favor of all the choose tenant bills? Yeah, or... Um, Costa Compact or whatever. Right, they keep keep talking about Costa Hawkins, right? Uh, Richard Bloom's Assembly Bill 36 is frankly a a political suicidal bill to reform Costa Hawkins right after Prop 10 got eviscerated, right? His is, it's trying to, he's trying to add a a 10-year rolling window to add rent control to new development if a city wants to, right? He's keeping... Um, the local control part of, of Prop 10 and adding kind of the, the rolling window aspect of it that um, advocates did not want. And the, the people coming out the loudest against Senate Bill 50 on alleged uh, tenant protection reasons uh, are not supporting those. It just seems very transparently bad faith. It's present. Life sucks. No. Depressing times. Okay. No, um, I mean, like, I think that, like, listen, there, there's there's only a couple ways about it, right? So, uh, you shame the electeds who did this, who voted for this resolution, right? You shame the electeds that you voted for this resolution. You support the resolution on a statewide level. Mm-hmm. And then you, like, vote them out the next cycle, mm-hmm. right? Um, but I think that... Yeah, Numerically, I mean, like, we're kind of at, I, I think that, like, you know, San Francisco voters are a little bit at a tipping point, right? Mm-hmm. They really have to decide if they're NIMBY, if they're NIMBY voters or they're YIMBY voters, right? Mm-hmm. And and what part of the conscious do they want to listen to? Right. And so, like, every time we have a super a district supervisor election, I think we see that. You yeah. literally see that. It's just like putting a navigation center next to your condo, right? You make a personal choice. Am I actually 
uh, a NIMBY or am I like a con- conscientious voter, right? Am I yeah. a, a principled voter? Yeah. So, I mean, I want to add, you know, if electoral consequences are the only consequences that these supervisors will listen to, right? That, you know, the, the Chronicle and Matty Iglesias can say whatever they want, and these people do not have the capacity for shame unless it is expressed in the wrath of voters. How is that going to translate? Um, look, the it's people are in office for four years, and so that's a really long time, and it feels like an even longer time than it actually is. So, right. it's it's not really electoral. I mean, it's the way all of us make decisions. Like, honestly, uh, electeds are sensitive to being embarrassed on social media, being embarrassed in the media, like the real media. Um, they don't Ouch. like that, huh? <laughs> she <laughs> meant is, Twitter. Okay. I meant <laughs> sensitive. <laughs> this is the real media. Yeah, okay, we're the okay. real media. Yeah. Diego, you projected a lot just now. <laughs> <laughs> you projected a lot. Um, there, I mean, funny, you have to be at least a little bit a narcissist, you know? You, yeah. People who are in the public eye, in public office, they have a Google alert for their name. You know, they don't want to see... Like, this stuff about the shadows... Like, there's no way that the uh, the Folsom and Rust Street project could have gone any other way because right. of a bunch of backstory, which I'm happy to talk about if you think it's interesting. But um, nonetheless, it is embarrassing, actually, yeah. I think, for the city. Yeah. And, like, Diane Yentel of the like, did National she really? Income Housing Coalition said it was a shameful. Jamel Bowie of Slate. Yes, I saw Jamel Bowie yeah. tweeting wow. Diane Yentel said it was outrageous. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it's incredibly she's, stupid. she's the person who's been pushing back the most against HUD's budget cuts, against right. Ben Carson getting rid of affirm- the affirmatively furthering fair housing rule. I mean, she is a low-income housing champion in Washington, D.C., and she thinks it's an embarrassment. Yeah, it is an embarrassment. So, you know, I do think that for the next time around, they're, they notice this. I mean, San Francisco is often the butt of, like, nationwide jokes, but it still hurts a little bit every single time. Oh, well, okay. Let's end this on a slightly positive note. What can listeners? <laughs> That's why we have final thoughts. No, do, go ahead. What can listeners do to to push back on this? Okay. Well, shadows in particular. I'm serious about this. People laugh when I say it, but open your 311 app when you're in a park and request shade. Say that it's a park issue. Okay. That it's a there's there's a section for structure. Is there a problem? That's with actually structure? really funny. That's really smart. Yeah. yeah that's and really smart. And pick structure and say you need a shade structure. That's right. That it's hot. There's no relief anywhere. That's right. Mm-hmm. And so I started doing it. I'm at the park a lot. I have a 16 month old. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody do it, and then after a while, we can go and look. And uh, it's just going to be organizing. We're going to go to the par- department of the the commission for the. For the parks and mm-hmm. say that there's a big problem we have no shade in any of our parks shade causes skin cancer mm-hmm. it's bad it's really it's actually bad for kids mm-hmm. i didn't know this because i'm a very cavalier what, parent yeah oh but yeah i went online and apparently you're supposed to you be lack of shade causes skin cancer yeah well, sunlight sunlight right, right. right. Or, or like the depleting ozone really right. what we're talking about <laughs> yeah the sun is like some kind of carcinogen evidently <laughs> I mean, I think that, I, yeah. Weird. My doctor told me to get more sunlight because I'm vitamin D deficient. Well, that's just you, keyboard That's because you're an adult. Yeah. You're an adult. <laughs> that's true. That's the big difference. So this is what I found out, is that something like, if you have more than five sunburns as a kid, then you're twice as likely to get skin cancer. Oh, wow. I'm fucked. Yeah. 
So it's so, so if you keep yourself from getting sunburns as a kid, then you get sunburns later. It's kind of okay. Doesn't matter as much, but oh yeah, that makes sense actually. Mm-hmm. Um, these things are a movement, right? Like these things, like I think people need to be persistent and patient, right? Mm-hmm. That you know, you you lost a battle, you won't lose the war. Situations. I I mean, I think uh, Senator Wiener was very smart when SB eight twenty seven got knocked down to put SB fifty back up mm-hmm. almost immediately, and if. If SB50 gets knocked down, he'll put up an SB25, right? And we'll just start going down the numerical scale. You think about uh, one of his mentors, Senator Mark Leno, who, for better, like, you know, put up Ellis Act legislation 10 out of 10 years. You know, he just, like, every year was another piece of Ellis Act reform legislation. Mm -hmm. And each, almost every single one of them except two got knocked out. Mm -hmm. Uh, But he understood that these things are... Incremental. Not, not, no, not just incremental. These things are a, a matter of patience, and mm-hmm. and it's a marathon, not a, not a sprint, right? Mm-hmm. And so people, people should just I continue like working at it, right? Yeah. Incremental makes it sound like, incremental makes it sound like, uh, every year you only win a little bit, mm-hmm. every year, right? And that's not actually how it is. Every year you actually probably lose everything, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> Thanks, you, Jay. you can lose five years in a row, and on year six you'll win it all. Mm-hmm. Right, and that's how that's the nature of politics. It's not actually not incremental, but it's uh, it's it's long term, mm-hmm. right? Um, so think about it that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, my final thought uh, goes back to Alameda. Actually, you you reminded me of, of something that um, uh, Alameda Renters Coalition organizer Catherine Pauling told me, which is that in politics you have to fight for as much as you can get because these things are cyclical and inevitably you're going to lose half of what you got. Um, and so this, um, this came in the context of their defeat of Measure K, which was an attempt to bake in a weaker rent control and prevent just cause through the city charter. And they organized and defeated it through um, a labor and social justice and faith-based coalition. Um, and now they and they swept in the city council elections. They have a major progressive majority uh, that supports new housing development all throughout Alameda, um, and they're well on their way to to um, bringing just cause, which has been kind of their the white whale of the tenants movement in Alameda, a just cause provision and a stronger rent control in Alameda. Um, so my final thought is that elections matter. <laughs> um, you know, congratulations to um, We Care Alameda, the, the Measure A campaign for defeating Measure B, and um, getting this this um, this medical respite center and, and uh, permanent housing built, uh, approved at Crab Cove. Uh, I think it's a big deal, and um, but it is it's a big deal. Over. It's actually great news. I mean, it's there's a lot to be excited about. It's never about. over, right? Um, um, I mean, but it did give us this gem of uh, the the uh, NIMBY organizer on the Measure B campaign, Liza <laughs> Morris, in a crab costume, uh, which is on, on, I think, ABC7 News. That yeah, was great. I saw the screenshot. It was um, great. Um, but, yeah, you know, congratulations to Alameda, and whose assembly member, Rob Bonta, carries year after year, like you said with Mark Lennon and Ellis Act, he's been carrying Just Cause in the assembly year after year. Um, and hopefully, if his hometown can do it, then then the state legislature can do it. But you gotta you gotta make those calls. You gotta knock on doors. You gotta um, let your voice be heard. Yeah, retweet. Retweet. Okay. What do you got? Or so. She was the skin cancer. No, no, no. That's not her final thought. It wasn't. No. Was it? 
No, it doesn't <clears throat> have to be my final thought. What Although, is your final thought? I don't know. Now, now I'm. I'm no, now you're at a loss. <laughs> okay, I'll go and then you go. I'll go and then you go. I'll go and then you go. So, my final thought is I want to give a shout out to uh, Katie Bowman, K A T I E B O U M A N, who was the young woman who discovered the. who put together oh, yeah. the algorithm for the first picture of a black hole. Hell yeah. Oh. Right? And, you know, we hear a lot. I mean, I think everyone by now, by the time this podcast has come out, has probably seen the image of a black hole, the first image of a black hole ever. Uh, and and uh, and this was on Twitter. A lot of the news articles seem to for- not mention the fact that it was a young woman who put together this insanely complicated algorithm uh, that mapped out eight different telescopes from around the world together mm. to put together this image of a black hole. Um it's uh, amazing and a landmark achievement, and we shouldn't forget the person who did it because that is historical as well. Yeah. Although somehow we have, that right? Very... So it's really unfortunate. But shout out to ladies inside. Yeah. Especially sure. this lady, Katie Bowman. Katie Bowman. Mm-hmm. Remember it. Make a t shirt. Um, and that is my final. Also, very exciting to see a black hole. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that like excites anyone else. Maybe just me. All right, that's no, it fine. Was good. It was okay. Good. It was apparently exactly what we expected it to look like. Yeah. <laughs> is Which it is really? Great. Yeah. It is there great. Was... Yeah. Yeah. Okay, we were right. We were theoretically <laughs> we were a hundred percent on par. This is pretty incredible. Yeah, that is incredible. And that's my final thought. Um, all right. Well, speaking of making T-shirts, I guess uh, my final thought is. Maybe in 2016, you got really excited when MTC voted to defund ABAG so that our two regional housing... Um, sure, maybe I got excited. Would you, yeah, let's you just say I did. Let's just say I did. So I actually, at the time, designed and commissioned a, a design to make a t-shirt, the official t-shirt of the MTC A-Bag merger. Was it like a Rum DMC t-shirt? You'll, no, it wasn't. We already made that shirt. Oh, the one with the lobster? Oh. Yeah, the one with the lobster. It's no, neither one of those are lobsters. It's it has a scorpion. Oh, a scorpion. That's right. That's right. A scorpion eating a spider, and you're not the only one. Most people look at it, and what they remember is it's a picture of a lobster. It's not a picture of a lobster. Anyway, well, the, we're the gonna have them. The were more prominent than the than the back uh, tail. Thing. Yeah, I think that was what made me. Remember yeah, is this Diego's fault or is this a? T- no, I'm just kidding. It might be. We'll see. Once it's yeah. on the tee, we'll see. But so coming soon, you will be able to buy your own commemorative T-shirt of MTC voting to gut a bag and merge those regional agencies into yeah. one regional agency. And this is a scorpion eating a spider. Yeah, because they both kind of suck in their own ways. What? Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Fascinating. Well, lobsters are just underwater scorpions. That's what I said. And that every- is not true. Right. Everybody at work yelled at me when I said that. <laughs> That's. In a legitimate, no, not in in any sense is that correct. I also consider uh, lobsters to be disgusting, like giant underwater bugs. Well, yeah, just like I mean that. Mm -hmm. What the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) What what is happening right now? Okay, fine. Zoology podcast. Zoology podcast. No, I have a different final thought. I'm sorry, even better. Double header. Final thought podcast. Elevator world. There's an a daily elevator news podcast. And so anybody listening to this cares about high-density housing, you have to care about the elevator. It's actually like a big deal. I remember The Economist did a whole feature on just elevators, which they called lifts because they're British. Um, And it's extremely complicated and the number one reason why we cannot build taller in the world. 
they call it vertical transportation. If you're in the vertical transportation industry, oh so li- like I said, space. they have a daily podcast. You guys, you sleepy oh, guys, need to get it together. Yeah, dude, we can't put out podcasts <laughs> once a week. They're, they're putting out podcasts every day about elevators. Jesus Christ! I wonder what their music is like. Ah, uh, before we go, oh, can nice. I do a uh, a sponsor pitch? Yeah. Of course, this podcast that is not brought to you every day, but we will aspire <laughs> to such things, is brought to you by RTBIQ Politico, uh, your number one data vendor. Uh, or, sorry, data and digital vendor if you are a political campaign. If you're looking to run a political campaign in November 2019 or in March 2020, which, by the way, is not that far away anymore. It's less than a year away, March yeah. 2020. Uh, go to com. They are your digital dream team. Everything you need to run a successful digital campaign to make sure you win. So, and thank you. And they've got great um, data maps that we're going to be using for our Measure B analysis. That's right. Soon. That's right. Their data science is unparalleled. All right. Well, thanks, guys. Uh, Lobsters are underwater scorpions. Not true. Such wrong. (laughs) So wrong.